0: think about when the forecast for the company was being made, were people asking what your programs were? Because if you weren't able to connect your programs to the forecast, if you weren't able to directly connect what you're doing to the revenue production of the company, then are you that trusted person that's making a business impact, right? If, If money can be cut without an impact to profitability or uh, to, to revenue. Are you indispensable? You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go.
1: This should be a lot of fun. So I'll give a quick intro, John, to you. And you're going to jump in and I want to hear more about your journey because we were just talking about right before this uh, around CMO, CRO, the relationship. And one of the reasons I wanted you on this is because you wrote a fascinating article on are CMOs, is the new role of CMO, CRO, or is CRO becoming a C, uh, CMO? And, and I think there is something there that I keep hearing, but I think you articulated that well in that article, and you had an example. So we're going to go through examples and things like that. So um, jumping in, um, you know, John, you're the CEO of Springbox. You have been, writing, you've been a Forbes contributor for many years. So I want to hear about what it takes to be a Forbes contributor in a second too. Um, and you have written the book, The CMO Manifesto. So if you're a new CMO, go check it out. You wrote that book about seven years ago. I think it's as relevant today than seven years ago. Uh, it's about 100-day action plan for marketing change agents. So, uh, John, welcome uh, to the show. Yeah, it's good to be here.
0: And uh, thanks for everybody that either got up early or stayed up late, depending on what part of the world you're in. Yeah. I'm going to be with you today.
1: Yeah, there's folks from uh, Indianapolis, Netherlands, India, Atlanta. So, you know, we got folks from all over the place, Matt. This is totally a fun place um, and fun conversation. So share a little bit about yourself, your journey, and then I'd love to jump into what does it mean to be a Forbes contributor?
0: Yeah, well, let me give you a little journey and how I got to where I am because it uh, has some context for both the book and the topic we're going to talk about today. Um, I, after grad school, I got uh, an opportunity to start selling computers for IBM. So the first five years of my career was actually carrying a bag uh, as a, I was con- called a marketing representative, but I was a sales guy. Decided that I wanted my career to be more marketing oriented than uh, sales oriented and got an opportunity to become an advertising manager on the original IBM PC. So worked on the Charlie Chaplin campaigns for anybody that remembers that far back in history, or uh, has had a chance to kind of uh, see some uh, uh, fairly interesting and impactful campaigns from uh, from the past. Uh, that got me on the radar screen of a recruiter that was trying to fill a position in Austin, Texas 33 years ago. Um, so I got uh, recruited to go work for a college dropout uh, at a little PC company uh, in Austin. Orchestrated the name change from PCs Limited to Dell. And then over uh, the next seven years, started most of the other marketing functions uh, for uh, the company. Ended up as the, in today's language, the CMO of North America, uh, kind of pulling all those things together. So that was a pretty yeah. crazy uh, seven year period. We went from 60 million to, um, uh, geez, what was it, 3
1: billion uh, in wow. seven years? Um, so- Wait a minute, I'll just pause it. 60 million. To three billion in a in a period of how many years? Seven years. My goodness! And so at that time, you held like all of these different roles, or was this role kind of just all consuming as, as it became bigger and bigger?
0: I uh, it was it it, it it expanded. Yeah. You know, so I took time to kind of build a base, and then it kind of all came together, and it was uh, it was crazy. Uh, so I decided after seven years, I needed to uh, kind of step out. Uh, reconnect with my family and I started a consulting company that morphed into an integrated agency that we were pioneering 19 years ago, put that together with uh, Springbox two years ago, and then that combined uh, agency uh, became part of Profit, uh, which is a large global growth and uh, brand consultancy. Uh, so we are the agency arm of, of the consultancy uh, at Profit now. So that's, that's my kind of journey uh, to here. Uh, and then I had several friends seven, eight years ago that were going through transitions uh, into CMO roles. And at the time... the the life expectancy of a CMO was about two years. Uh, Is it different right right now? It's gotten better, fortunately, over the last several years. Uh, It's still uh, a pretty volatile position. Yeah. And uh, for lots of reasons that we can talk about. But uh, I had always wanted to to write a book about something. And uh, when I saw so many of my friends that were going into this role, I started looking for a book on how to help them get off to a fast start as a CMO. And realized that that book hadn't been written. So I took uh, about a year to talk to 50 really smart, uh, really great mini Hall of Fame CMOs to figure out what they did to get their uh, foundation and success um, kind of assured from an early point and kind of package that into the book. And uh, that uh, became the CMO manifesto. And through that, uh, the, the good folks at Forbes said, do you want to keep writing about CMOs? And I said, sure, I love it. So that's how I ended up as a contributor uh, for Forbes was through the insights that I was able to develop out of the book.
1: All right. So that, that, thank you for, for that background. So everybody gets an idea of like, this is someone who has been there, done that, and is doing it in so many different ways today. What do you have to do as a Forbes contributor on a regular basis? Find something
0: interesting to write about uh, that uh, we think people might be interested in reading. Uh, what is fun for me is I I get to write about whatever, you know, within my kind of domain, uh, which is marketing related, uh, whatever interests me. So what I found is it's a it's a great platform for me. If I've got things I want to learn or people I want to talk to, I, I can reach out. And I'm that has created a, a really interesting opportunity to uh, develop things that I'm either interested in or passionate about and then share what I've found with others. And I had an exploration a couple of years ago, uh, a lot around artificial intelligence on marketing. And uh, the last uh, year or so uh, has been pretty active in uh, B2B marketing and account-based marketing and uh, the things that affect how um, marketers are making an impact, uh, which kind of leads to today's topic, which is yeah. marketing's role uh, in creating revenues. So,
1: well, you'll be you'll be excited about this. Hunter over here says that I'm skipping Gary V for this, and he's like, I'm not disappointed by the beginning of the story. So, appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, Hunter, for saying that. J- let's jump in. What is a CM, CMO and what are, what are CRO? A lot of people obviously know those, but I think there's some nuances in those, those roles as they became. And we can go back to the genesis of that article, which led me to, to like, wait a minute, I never really thought about these two roles being either so different at the same time, so similar in, in nature. And at some point, it might just mean that they're one and the same. So, so just walk us through what, do you, what in today's world what does a CMO role mean? What does a CRO role mean? And where do you see the intersection if, yeah, um, as we see with those examples?
0: Yeah. In today's classic terms, especially for B2B companies, chief marketing officers are responsible for marketing. Uh, that often includes demand generation programs, uh, lead generation activities, advertising. I uh, may get into product planning, pricing, depending on the company. Um, the CRO is classically the the chief sales officer, um, head of the the sales organization, especially in companies that have a direct to company selling uh, process. And right. uh, so, you know, those are the classic. But I think what's interesting is when you think about what it takes to create revenue, it's really the bringing together of buyers and sellers, mm-hmm. and Today, how companies bring buyers into the process and how that sales transaction is actually consummated in terms of making a uh, sale occur, uh, there are very different routes to market, very different business models. And in a a classic enterprise software sales example, um, that uh, typically is going to be a direct uh, sales force, typically a field sales force supported by an internal uh, sales organization. But the buying models for other companies are, are very different. So I uh, use United Rentals as an example, you know, Chris Humble's the CMO there, but their buying model is uh, very much through their company-owned retail centers, right. not really retail, but the rental centers. But it's a very much a B2B uh, play, but... The sale happens at a retail counter. Yeah, you look at uh, Amazon Business, which was has been one of our clients uh, recently, and you know it's a, a very large part of Amazon, but those transactions are all happening online. Um, and so, what I think is beginning to occur is marketing's role has typically been bringing. The, the buyer to the table uh, yeah. in terms of, you know, the advertising and promotion aspects of uh, the four Ps, um, but they historically weren't the ones responsible for kind of closing the deal. And so what I think is beginning to happen is more and more of that uh, buying process for uh, B2B buyers is happening through marketing driven interactions, digital experiences that are being created, uh, events, whether they're physical or, or uh, uh, virtual events uh, right now. So uh, as buyers are spending more time uh, exploring before they ever talk to somebody in the selling organization, the kind of the responsibility for creating that revenue is more and more pushing into the chief marketing officer's domain right. and yeah. kind of away from the sales organization.
1: You know, one thing I said, and I love people's um, reaction on this one. One, are you a B two B or a B two C? I just typed in a question. Just, just share if you're ab two B and B two C, because I think what you are about to share examples are going to go across the the chasm there. And what that doesn't really matter as a marketer to start thinking about it as B two B, B two C, or you should just start thinking a little bit more differently on that. And then one of the things that John, I want to really for love for you to dial in is. That, you know, you, you mentioned in this, like, you know, the, and then we talked about, I made notes from, from that article as well, like, look, CMLs have the largest budget in the organization nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a CML, you're part of a large budget um, in the organization. At the same time, your, your budget is the first to cut when stuff like this happens, where, you know, the revenues are not going up or pandemic yeah. happens or market in your sector collapses or your, whatever. You're the first one to cut, which essentially just makes me feel is that, do you even know what like how does the budget come to a marketer? like Is it just given, I get it like 60, 70% of the buyer journey is, is covered before they hit a salesperson, but CMOs are given a budget. They're really not going and saying, I want this budget for the most part. They're either given a budget or the budget is taken away from them when stuff happens. So that just makes me feel like, well, maybe marketing doesn't really know 1000% um, what to do with that money. And people really don't know what a role of CMO is other than that, well, they gotta be doing something good.
0: Well, that, you're unpacking a whole can of worms here. That uh, That is one of the, the big challenges that, that CMOs have within the C-suite, uh, working with their peers, the CFO, uh, chief operating officers, different divisional folks is. What is the impact of marketing on creating business performance, wow. in particular, in creating revenue? And th- there are some things that are easy to measure uh, yeah. and directly accountable uh, and have short-term impact. And then there are other things that have more of a long-term impact and have a kind of a long half-life. Uh, there, uh, so. Programs, reputation-building programs, often called brand-building programs. But you know, I don't want to get into a philosophical debate about what is brand in the context of of B two B marketing right now. But uh, there are things that your uh, companies can do to fill the tank. You know, to to help build the reputation, to be considered, to be thought of positively, and the half life of those kind of uh, is is a fairly long tail. And so when you pull back on marketing uh, in the short term, there is still going to be some re- residual impact of the good work that has been done previously. Right. Uh, the, the part that is um, uh, usually easier to measure and has more short-term impact are the demand generation programs, lead generation programs that you can turn on and you can see uh, an immediate impact of people are signing up, people are coming to the webinar, people are uh, actually raising their hand and say, I want to explore this, this product. Right. And those are the ones that are more directly attributable. Um, and they're also the ones that if buyers are kind of at home and not uh, making decisions right now, because their budgets have been froze, right. those are the easy um, uh, kind of dollars to pull back on uh, and, and kind of know what the impact is. But the, the long-term residual type of programs are, are the ones that are really easy to cut because um, they weren't meant to have an immediate uh, short-term effect. And so let's just pull back and, and cut as many of those as, as you possibly can. And so the the role um, you know, of uh, CMO is to help build for the organization a, as much of an understanding of what the dollars are going to go for and the impact we're going to make And that's a perpetual quest that uh,
1: any uh, good CMO is going to be undertaking. Is there, and I want to get into the specifics of these examples we talked about, but is there a typical split? Like the question I'm getting is like, is there a split that organizations must, the CMOs should think about as a split of like brand versus demand from a budget perspective so that when anything, when the budget question happens? So we're like, hey, CMO, I'm going to give you a dollar. Tell me if you can turn that into a $3. Well, not every dollar is equal to that and in a very short period of time to your, to your point. But is there a, a part where marketing can say, or CMOs can say, hey, look, this is sacred. We got to protect the demand generation funnel or brand generation activities in this time because if you don't do that, Right now, you might see some savings, but it's going to impact dramatically or negatively in a longer period of time. So, I wonder if it's is it 20 Is it there's a is there something that you've seen that has constantly been come up?
0: Well, I'm I'm, I'm going to give you the answer that you don't want, which is it depends. <laughs> uh, the uh, but but diagnose the the context for that decision. So, yes. um, we've had uh, many companies that we work with that are. Maybe newer organizations or new into a market, and they don't have an established reputation. Uh, and when they try to go straight to a lead generation program, the efficiency of those programs is not what they want because nobody knows who they are. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're showing up with an offer. But there's I don't know who the company is, I have sure. no context. It's like and so it's really difficult to turn that dollar straight into a, a productive lead, and I'm kind of almost skipping a step of building some kind of a reputation. But you know, a company like s a p you you know who they are. um yeah. You don't need to um necessarily feel like you're putting more money into uh filling the brand tank. Uh, in a, a time like now, uh, but if there are dollars that you can put to getting people to engage in conversations uh, while um, they're um, kind of waiting for their budgets to free up, maybe this is a time to, uh, to get more of those connections built. But uh, it, it's, it, there is no easy answer to it. It depends a lot on, the, on the, the transactional or the kind of business model that the company is going through. You know, how, uh, what does the sales system look like? Uh, what's the conditions in terms of how many, um, you know, existing customers you have? You know, if you have a large customer base and a uh, large amount of the revenue comes from existing customers, and that's a very different scenario of a new entrant that has no customers and has to build a whole new pipeline. And so uh, there are, are models that, that uh, you know we've developed that help uh, companies go through that assessment process. Uh, yeah. But um, there, there, there is
1: no one answer for every organization. So you hear it first here. Depends is our answer for the day right now, which it is, just, you know it's, it makes sense. It makes
0: sense. But that's part of the fun of being a, a CMO is there are no easy answers, and so if you like challenging problems, uh, it's a really great profession. You know, if, if you just wanted to show up where you put in, you know, these two bits of data
1: and outcomes and answer, anybody can do that. It's
0: not uh, for you. Well, Good
1: I'm with it? So, hey, Casey, Andy, um, Andy's like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm late. Dude, welcome to, to the show. And again, we put it on flipmyphone.com uh, on the on the podcast, so you can you can go check it out. And Mark made a really good uh, good comment. Mark Stews, Um he talked about that. Hey, look, uh, B2B versus B2C difference matters a lot because the role of a customer risk, the the, the risk is so different in a B2B versus B2C. So salespeople in B2B deal with this every day. Whereas marketers typically don't. Like if you're doing a B2C funnel, like marketers is CMO and CRO in many of those cases, there is no B2C. You a sales handoff in the process. So, so John, let's just get into this idea of like, what's happening with the CMO, CRO role, because that is, that, that is something that we really want to, to get into. And also uh, share, if you could, an example of maybe a B2C brand or a B2B brand that you have worked with or seen that is actually doing this. Yeah, so the the story I I wrote uh,
0: featured Mike Linton, uh, who recently left his role as CMO of uh, an insurance company to become the chief revenue officer of Ancestry. And it was like, hmm, that's an interesting fit. But when you understand their business model, that's where the buyer and seller comes together is almost completely online. It is a transactional sign-up process driven by uh, getting people to come into the experience, uh, giving them an opportunity to try it, and then converting them into paid subscribers. And so, it is very much a uh, marketing to to a large degree can uh, actually get their arms around that full experience, and so. Uh, having a marketer who understands how to bring people in, how to use an experience to convert uh, is, uh, you know, I think is a great foundation for that particular kind of uh, organization. Um, contrast that with um, say uh, Grant Holleran, who is the, uh, was the CMO at OmniSci and, you know, Analytics uh, SaaS company. I, he's recently gone on to become the the CEO of Planful, uh, but at the time he had had previous selling experience. He had had marketing experience, and when I in very similar situation to to Kirsten uh, Knip at uh, Convey, which is another SaaS company, transportation and logistics uh, software. They both had very strong relationships with the CEO. Uh, because they were working on the strategic issues of the company, um, this how, who are we going after? Market identification, what's the value proposition that we're delivering? How do we articulate that story? Um, classic uh, strategic marketing types of things that they were doing, and so I and we're often the an ambassador for the company out into the public to. Kind of the share of that story in, in, in large forums, large events. And when those companies ended up having challenges on the sales side, they had earned the right with their CEO to kind of expand their domain as a trusted member of the C suite to say, can you also take on the sales responsibility as well? Uh, and kind of now have this uh, CMO and CRO uh, combination together. Oftentimes, I see when that CMO and CRO role come together, um, it, it's under the banner of either chief commercial officer or chief growth officer um, in, in a B2B context. Um, I think um, Marty St. George, for years, at uh, when uh, he was at uh, JetBlue, he's now at Norwegian Airline, but when he was at JetBlue, he was the chief commercial officer, but he started as the CMO doing the classic CMO kinds of things, um, but then eventually uh, was added the responsibility of uh, uh, revenue planning, uh, pricing, uh, and then the sales organization and loyalty programs all then kind of rolled up under him. But again, it was a trans- more of a transactional model that uh, worked really well from a you know, somebody from a marketing bra- background being able to bring all of those uh, levers of,
1: of driving revenue to the table. I love those examples. And and like you know about Terminus as well. Uh, Tim Kopp, he was the CMO of Exact Target, who went through the acquisition, took the company public, been there for like six, eight years through the acquisition of Salesforce, and now is the CEO of Terminus. And in many ways, we, we couldn't have had a better CEO. So is the transition, Is are we saying, and this this is something I, I love to hear from everybody listening to this as well that the CMO role is starting to become incredibly important in the organization, both internally and externally. Internally, you got to have these relationships with the CEO or the board to, to help them understand how the mechanics work. Mm-hmm. But even from an external perspective, I think you become the brand voice of the organization. You start talking about things and actually putting yourself out there. Um, I'm, I'm just curious, like, Is there any other role other than the CMO role that is that's where you're seeing this as a much more uh, of a trend of becoming a CRO or becoming a CEO? Um, And I'm just curious. Well,
0: I believe that if a marketer is uh, controlling the big levers of marketing and stepping up to the table uh, to influence overall strategy, market identification, Uh, value proposition, product innovation, uh, pricing, uh, maybe depending on the the type of uh, product, the forecasting uh, nature of things, not just a communicator. I think the the CMOs that are challenged to become CEOs are the ones who um, maybe only have the communications uh, part of the portfolio. And... Uh, I and so one of the things that worked really well for me in my career is I took time to uh, to learn product marketing and pricing and forecasting and took time to take on uh channel development and partner program development and when I and when I was able to then come back uh and pull those together I'd had a, a pretty complete understanding of the impact that marketing can can play and i think cmo's that bring that um, that ability to uh, control the levers not only of growth and revenue but of profitability yeah. um ha- are really well positioned to be future uh coos and ceos because they understand the the levers of uh, of growth and profitability probably more than any other organization um uh, you know, it's easy to kind of poke fun at uh, CFOs. Uh, they yeah. just, you know, they just kind of count what the marketers did and and account for the you know, bec- but because they deliver the uh, the good results to Wall Street, they're the ones that made it happen. Yeah, I love my CM uh, CFO friends because it's actually a lot more complicated, and they, you know, good CFOs uh, have a huge impact on sure. the value of a company. But um, CMOS that are uh, the ones driving growth uh, decisions. Uh, are the ones I think for many organizations. Terminus I think is a great example. Uh, companies that uh, value the role that marketing plays are the ones that are are well set up for uh, uh, a great role uh, as leaders of a company.
1: Totally. you know, I got Hunter over here is talking about the uh, what about Cgo, which is the chief growth officer, in comparison to the CMO or CRO, and I think I think you mentioned that like that's typically what it manifests itself so that. It is not pure this. They probably hire somebody who can run marketing and need them and somebody who can run sales, which is why it's a much bigger role than that.
0: Yeah. So we should go through buzzword bingo right now (laughs) uh, in terms of the acronyms that are kind of popping up all over the place. Yeah. So we've talked about the chief revenue officer, chief marketing officer. And sometimes when those come together, they come together as the chief commercial officer. Sometimes they come together as the chief growth officer, which is... I, I want, uh, as a company, to grow, and what are the levers of growth? So it is sales and marketing, and so it becomes the chief uh, growth officer. We're seeing a chief customer officer uh, starting to emerge. Uh, I, at, at Dell, Karen Quintos was the former CMO, is now the chief uh, chief customer officer, now solving a different set of issues. Uh, chief digital officer, I sometimes... Yeah. Companies have both a chief digital officer and a chief marketing officer, and digging up those responsibilities is interesting. There's the chief experience officer uh, that's starting to pop up in terms of understanding that, the, that brands are built from experiences. And so how is that experience uh, connected? And so it's really fascinating to watch how these acronyms are starting to play out. But I think for me, so there were, there's been debates. Do you change the, the title of chief marketing officer to incorporate yeah. growth, digital experience, customers all into that? And to me, all of that's been marketing. Uh, it should have been marketing. And so the problem was the, the role and the meaning of marketing got diminished as opposed to going back to this whole strategic
1: and tactical discipline that embraces all of those thoughts. Yeah, I love that. People love the buzzword bingo idea, by the way. We should totally do that. We should, we should write an article with like, all right, select what buzzword is in, the, in an article. And I think a lot of them will actually pop into it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I'm, we try to keep it to 20, 25 minutes. Um, so a couple of things. I'm going to share uh, three big ideas that came out of, came out of this. Um, and then in, literally in three words, quite honestly. And then I want you, John, to share a, a challenge for everybody so they can go and take and think about it to become a CMO, to become a CRO, or if they are in those positions, how they all come together.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and,
1: and just so as everybody knows, uh, we're trying to do this every Monday and Wednesday at 9 a.m. So next Wednesday, um, we're going to have uh, CEO of Alice. Uh, I'm just going to put it up here. Sorry to put it on your, you know, the whole screen over here. Uh, but we we have uh, uh, you know CEO of Alice on how to turn. Afternoon opportunity and and you know one of my personal heroes now, uh, which is Ginger, who's the CEO of First Franklin Financial, where they literally took their business, uh, uh, open seventy nine years of uh, homegrown business. They were, worth, you know, I think over uh, six hundred employees or so, and and they have been just running through this times like nobody's business. So we're going to do that in the next uh, couple of days. So three things for me. I think what you have communicated, John. When I started to write down, I made a whole bunch of notes here. But I think what you really communicated to me is that the number one thing you need to do is build trust. Because you talked about the relationship with the CEO, the relationship with all these different, different, different places. So, so trust is something that I think is deeply communicated. You can't really be successful in your role or any other roles out there if you don't have that one thing very well built in. And don't even start trying to be in another role if you're not building trust in your own Personal mm-hmm. role, right? So that's one. The second part you talked about was like, look, you are really well set to be super successful in your role, or you move from CMO to CRO. If you can start thinking about growth, revenue, and how the business act, how the company actually makes money, the business part of it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of marketers today, and I would be the first one to say, I love building brand, I love creating brands, but if I don't understand what EBITDA is. If I don't understand what profitability means, if I don't understand the business metrics, I'm not going to create outcomes for my business. And my chances of being in any other role other than my own existing role is is quite diminished. As as a matter of fact, if things go bad, right now, all those holes will be exposed because you no longer can ride the same horse. You need Mm -hmm. to know all these other pieces of it. So that was really big. So trust, know your business, and make sure that happens and, and don't worry about the, the the title is what I'm getting out of this thing because the title could just keep changing over and over again. Go and just like you did, and you did so phenomenally, you shared the experience of going from 60 million to that company of building it up to set, you know, five, six or $7 billion. You actually took more and more responsibilities. I'm pretty sure you're not worried about your title all the time. You're more worried about, give me more responsibilities so I can understand the business better that allowed you to grow with the business. And that is something I think everybody and I missed in my early part of my career. I thought about title first and then the responsibilities. If you really want to switch it and, and get responsibilities first, the title will automatically come. And who knows, you might be able to come up with your own title that makes makes sense. Like in our case, I came up with chief evangelist as my title. Like, you know, you know, whatever. Like let's just keep doing what you're doing. So those are my big three takeaways. Uh, What's the one challenge you want to share with everybody?
0: I think one of the questions I used to ask when I did this program called High Tech Marketing Boot Camp. And I asked folks to think about when the forecast for the company was being made, were people asking what your programs were? Because if you weren't able to connect your programs to the forecast, if you weren't able to directly connect what you're doing to the revenue production of the company, then are you that trusted person that's making a business impact? Right. If if th- your money can be cut without an impact to profitability or uh, to to revenue, are you indispensable? So the the more that what you do is connected to driving business performance for the organization, and then when you become that that trusted person that can uh, make good recommendations on. When to spend, when not to spend, where to spend, where not to spend. Uh, When's the timing right? Uh, And it's not just about kind of promoting and protecting your budget. It's about being a trusted partner in making good business decisions. You're going to set up your career no matter what the title's called.
1: I love that, John. That is a clip I'm going to record and make sure that clip is, is recorded and shared with everybody because that is really on money. So, John, thank you so much. Uh, folks, thank you so much for joining. Today was the first time we also tried on Twitter. So if you see this on Twitter, that's awesome. Uh, again, next Wednesday, we'll be back live uh, with CEO Alice. And uh, we'll talk about how to turn our chaos into opportunities. John, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Been a pleasure.
0: You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.